everyone. Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, we're talking to Richard Christensen, the Australian-born founder of LA's coolest new wellness brand, Flamingo Estate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Zara. So I know every episode we say the same thing. We're super excited about, like, really, this <laughs> one I'm really excited <laughs> do about. Do you think we sound like a broken record? I think, well, maybe. Ooh. I just worry. Like, well, we do get excited by all we the brands. Excited. But I think this one, I'm... I'm always excited. And yeah. I and I love hearing people's stories. Exactly. And... and then, like, hearing how they started it, how they created it. But I think this would be a really interesting one because it's quite different. It's something that we haven't really had before. He's Richard Christensen is the founder from Australia, now lives in LA and has this whole, you know, this estate, this ethos. And we're really interested to see what he has to say about it. But it's it's so much more than just, you know, Flamingo Estate. It's this lifestyle and this big change in his life, which I think is so fascinating. Yeah. And it's like a cat with nine lives. He's had a lot of different experiences. Yeah, so fa- really like excited. fascinating story and, and just actually so incredible to hear people's, how people's lives can go full 360 through trauma. And I think that really resonates at this time in the world. Mm. Um, but no, I do think we say we're excited, but I think um, we genuine. are genuinely excited <laughs> all the time, Zara. So that's good. Let's... He's excitable people. <laughs> and so Richard was born and raised in rural Australia before heading off to London to study in law. Study law. Then he went to New York, started Shandri Creative. So as you were saying, just he's seen so much. He's like had to reprioritize, reevaluate his life, and now he's got he's got this. And, and what? And tell me a little bit about rural New South Wales. Well, I haven't probably been to where he's from. But you're from New South Wales. I'm from New South Wales, but I mean, Australia's so big. The yeah. land mass is so big. So there's it, the land changes and it looks different between one hour here and two hours there. Mm. And I read what he said about his fam- family being farmers and they always, they harvested bees and honey and they knew that kind of world. So it's interesting that he, you know, jetted around the world and he'll talk about this, I think. General around the world wanted to leave rural Australia and now he's sort of like back to his roots. It's rural like, you know, 360. Yeah, amazing. And um, I would love to go to New South Wales, rural New South Wales, and actually see what he's talking about as well. I'm, I'm sure it's pretty magical. Great. Well, we'll let Richard tell us the rest. Welcome to Mecca Talks, Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Australia. Thank you. So how long have you been, haven't you been here for? You've been living in LA for some time? I left, so I grew up in northern New South Wales Mm -hmm. on a farm. I don't know about you, but I could not leave rural Australia fast enough. I ran (laughs) as quickly as my two legs would carry me. Um, When I was, I think, 16, 17, I went to London then moved to Italy and Sweden and then moved to America. So I've traveled, I've lived in some different places. I've lived in Los Angeles uh, six years and I was in New York for 20 years, almost. So uh, it's been a, a wild adventure. So where would you say is home? Los uh, Flamingo's home. You know, Flamingo State, mm. which we'll talk about today, obviously is my, first and foremost, it's my home. I live there. It's a one and a half bedroom house on a hill um, and a huge garden. And it's accidentally become a brand and accidentally become... A much bigger thing than just a brand, actually, which we'll talk and about. How does today. it accidentally become a brand? <laughs> well, you know, I lived there, and um, you know, the the short answer to that is the first. I'm 
maybe should backtrack. I have big green thumbs. My parents do too. And so I always, um, you know, love the garden and then have planted uh, 700 trees maybe in the property. So and it's this funny, wow. this funny, really strange um, seven acre property in the middle of the city. It's just like the the city grew up around this property and no one knew it was there. It was hidden in plain sight. And it's, it's on a hill, right? It's on a hill looking over Los Angeles. Uh, I found it because I put um, my mum and dad are beekeepers. I'm a beekeeper. And um, I think we'll talk about my old life, which is I had a, a big advertising agency before it all crumbled. But um, even during that time, I was a beekeeper. I had bees outside the city in New York. And anyway, I was on a photo shoot and uh, someone said, oh, yeah. I used to give honey to everyone on a photo shoot. And I said, the traditional Roman mm -hmm. welcome gift. And I said, okay, well, she said, oh, you're a beekeeper. I said, yeah. She said, oh, there's a guy on my street. He has this crazy house at seven acres. He's 85. He never comes out. Uh, he's a hoarder, and his partner of 65 years just died. Would you come over and put some bees in the garden? They love the garden. And I said, sure. So I came, I came back to Los Angeles for another shoot, and uh, I saw this wild, wild garden, this Narnia of a garden, this crazy – just like how does this exist and no one yeah. – how has no one built an apartment block here? Mm. Um, and this old rickety – gate and this man came out wearing a little red silk bathrobe and a leopard print g-string and he's he's 85 <laughs> years old and like this dirty little old man and we became <laughs> friends and um every time i came to los angeles for years and years i'd, I'd come and check on the bees and that went on that sort of like dance together went on for for a number of mm. years and and i had you know had my business in new york that i hated los angeles generally one day we're in the garden years later and he said richard you know I said, John, you're so old. Mm. You, can't, you can't even get up the steps. You've got to sell this house to someone who will restore it. And he said, well, why don't you restore it? And I said, well, um, honestly, John, like I, I have a business. I've got 100 employees. I, I have a huge payroll. Um, I, I can't really afford it. And he said, well, how much can you afford? And mm. I kind of threw out this number, like the cost of a, a good watch. And he said, I'll sell it to you for that much if you promise to restore it. Wow. You promise to restore the garden. And you never flip it. You never sell it. And you don't see inside the house before you bought it. And I'd not seen inside. And um, the, you may know the punchline to the story. When I finally got inside, we discovered that it was a, a, had been a porn studio for 65 years. Hundreds of thousands of people had sex in my kitchen. Oh. Um, <laughs> And if those walls can talk, I think they are. No, no, I think they are. I think they are talking because, like, the, ha the house has this very uh, central vibe. It's not energy. the word central, but it has this really hedonistic energy. It's a really, really special property. And I believe greatly in sort of the genius loci of buildings and places. And you really feel it when you get there. And anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm going the long story, the long way around your answer. Um, I uh, moved to the house. I opened an office for my agency, my advertising agency in, in Los Angeles. And um, two things happened at the exact same time that will never happen again. The first was uh, we lost all of our clients, everyone. And the first week of COVID, COVID hit. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, we had worked largely in luxury goods, Cartier and Hermes and Virgin and on and on. And, um, and anyway... Um, they just all stopped spending money. So we were just hemorrhaging cash. Um, at some point, three offices, all those people, at some point, we just sort of started to buckle under the weight of that. Mm. And I owned the business outright. I didn't have investors. I was just, I was I was the quarterback. I was always the one pitching and presenting. And mm. so, you know, this enormous amount of stress on my shoulder as sort of my 
two decades of work just sort of fell apart in, wow. in two weeks. My greatest fear, my greatest, greatest fear, and it all came true. So that was the first thing that happened. Um, the second thing that happened, which is more interesting, is um, I knew a farmer who I had knew sort of adjacently from some people we used to buy trees from, and she was going to... Uh, lose her farm because all of her vegetables were going to restaurants. And the restaurants, as you remember, were all closed. Mm -hmm. And so she said, um, yeah, I'm going to lose my farm. And my mom and dad had lost their farm when I was a kid. And so it kind of hit me in the stomach a bit. I was like, no, mm -hmm. you know, f that. We're not going to let that happen. Bring your vegetables to the car park and we'll sell them. And I think she thought, I've said this a lot, I think she thought we could sell 12 boxes of vegetables. That first Friday, we sold 300 boxes. The second wow. Friday, we sold 600 boxes. This Friday, skip forward, with 41 trucks, we <sighs> have we will deliver to 200,000 homes. Um, and so how my, my home, to answer your question directly, sorry, this is a very long answer. My home accidentally became a brand because that very first week of COVID, we started selling vegetables for a farmer. Yeah, yeah. And, and a couple of things happened, you know, straight away in that first three-week period. People started Instagramming their vegetables, which was a huge thing. I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Obviously, we were all at home during COVID. None of mm -hmm. us had anything to Instagram. We all mm -hmm. had itchy fingers. So we were and like, there were bare, bare shelves in supermarkets. Oh, my God. People were fighting for toilet paper, yeah. remember? Yeah. So we're like... And we're delivering this like bounty of fresh produce that's yeah. grown in the very best soil that's so beautiful. And so people were excited for it. We kind of didn't, at that point, didn't even think we had a business. I was just, I actually truthfully was trying to keep my team from killing each other. Yeah. And like, let's work on something else. And my team in New York are such snots and they're really, you know, they're fashion people. And, <laughs> and they're like, you know, we want to work on Cartier. And I'm like, Cartier is not here anymore, guys. So you're in charge of stone fruit and you're in charge of mushrooms and you're in charge of citrus. Yeah. Go photograph it. And so we were just trying to sort of keep the, the core team together. And, um, and then other farmers found out this really handsome, beautiful farmer, Martin, walked in one day, just walked into the gate and came to see me. He's like sun-kissed and tall and just like the quintessential, you know, casting for hot farmer. And he walked in and <laughs> he's like, oh, Richard, I've got, um, I've got, uh, he, I guess his dad had an olive farm. He's like, oh, I've got, mm. the, I think I've got the best olives, the best soil, the best altitude. Um, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, how hard can it be to bottle olive oil? And then, then let's make some soap with it. And then, you know, then one farm, then this other farmer, Gabriel Nord came, Gabriel has a, Oh, God, yes. Uh, Demeter Certified Farm, which means um, Demeter Certified sort of means it's the, the most incredible um, certification level, mm. unicorn poop um, level. And <laughs> you can smell, here's a herb farm. You can smell his biodynamic herb farm. You can smell his herbs miles away. I mean, just miles away. The lavender is amazing. You, you, you've never smelled herbs like his mm. herbs. Anyway, Gabriel's like, uh, I don't know what to do with all my herbs. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's make hand soap or something. So, you know, one after another, we just started yeah, meeting more yeah. growers, accidentally growers who were growing organic or better than organic, regenerative quality um, all vegetables, all local, mm -hmm. not actually now, not local, Japan, Australia, different mm -hmm. India, different places, but um, at, at that time local. And so just coming to the gate and saying, let's, what can we make? And so in that first you know, one farm became two, became five, became 10, became 75, became 110 farms. And so Amazing. now, in a, and this is in 600 days, you know, this has happened in, within two years um, or just two years. What, COVID's two years ago now. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was this, 
I don't even know how quite how to describe it. This unlikely, improbable, mm-hmm. completely impossible story of wild collaboration and just sort of uh, the, the property became this tapestry of nonstop action and events. And my home, my tiny little home um, was just full every day with people. Mm. And, and chefs were not working, so... Um, I didn't know what to cook with all those vegetables on a Friday. Yeah. So it's like, come over. Why don't you come over and just teach me what to cook and we'll put it on Instagram. So the best chefs in Los Angeles were coming to cook on a Thursday. We'll put it on Instagram on Friday. R- selfishly, because I wanted to learn how to cook some of that <laughs> stuff, you know. And then and then painters and photographers, all my fashion photographers who were not working came to shoot vegetables. And so, you know, just this, this eclectic group the of... creative community. Really, I mean, yeah. all, and then it's sort of... It's, uh, hopefully we'll talk about this later, but the stakes sort of got higher and higher. You know, Chrissy Teigen walked in one day with her 34 million followers and then Billie Eilish walks in mm-hmm. and then, you know, so on and so forth. And we get to Oprah, we get to Ellen, we get, we get higher and higher up the food chain. Um, not because we did anything strategic, not because we did anything... It's like a moment. I love that. We just, we just were just, we were just trying to do something for. It's the ultimate pivot. It is the ultimate pivot. Well, not just that. I mean, I think that that's a really important part of this story because um, I, not to hijack our list of questions, but I, I had worked my ass off for Mm. 20 years. I was so tired in my core. I was so unhealthy. I was on a plane every week. Mm I, would drink like a fish. I was um, just really out of alignment. And I didn't, and you, you, we come from that, we both come from that yeah. fashion world originally. I spent all my days being nice to people I didn't like. I yep. used to kiss everyone's ass to get their work. I had this <laughs> so true. This billowing payroll. And, but you know, coming from rural New South Wales, I mm. wanted my parents to be proud of me. Yeah. I wanted to go work in fashion. I wanted to go work in design. I wanted to run away from dirty, plant ridden Australia. And so, of course, how funny that I'm now working in yeah. a plant. Well, dri- everything you know, comes around. And yeah, it's is like, the ultimate boomerang. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've had such an incredible life. You've had many different lives from a country, Australia. You went and worked in London and Italy and then, you know, New York and now this. So I love the, a lot. I love the ultimate boomerang. I think that's such an incredible way because it's sort of like you've gone. When I, so when I asked you where's home, it's like yeah. you've gone home yeah. in a different location, but yeah. you've gone back to actually what is sort of deep in your core and I, and I love the story you're telling about the house as well and this um, you know this incredible estate and these these grounds and this like community yeah. of, of all of this incredible creativity that's happening what was it like when you moved into that house and yeah. you walked in there and you, for the first time yeah. you were like oh I haven't seen this before I've just bought it what was that like for you because I imagine that was quite a surprise you know, I, I guess, um, yet yeah, surprise is such a, a good word. All I could hope for everyone is we have more surprises in our yeah. life, you know. Um, I think when I walked in and I just, you know, every maybe this is the way to describe it. I really understood this was a doorway and things were about to mm. change. I was about to walk into this this crazy adventure. And so in my head, I could see it. I actually, in my heart, actually, I always wanted to have a gardening brand. All I wanted to do was actually, mm. oh, my my. My family has a history of garden centers here in Australia. I kind of always just wanted to have a gardening brand. Yeah. And Martha Stewart had been a client in New York, and I liked the way Martha used her home as her sort of studio for her brand. Mm. And never dream, kind of never dreamed that, that we, it would happen so quickly for, for me that it did. But it, certainly when I started looking at this incredible garden, I was just like, wow. 
um, I'm going to plant, I'm going to build the most beautiful garden I can possibly do with my two hands. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe that can, maybe we can do something with this one day. It was kind of my, my thought. Mm, yeah. Um, and the house, uh, the house is really, it's really, really special. If you see photos of it, it's on, and mum it's, we, it's on Instagram every day now. <laughs> um, you know, if you close your eyes and you walk through the house, and don't look at anything. It's very sexy. You run your mm. fingers over cold, rough concrete and smooth velvet and weird wood and carving. And it's a really, really thoughtful house. It's very small. Everyone thinks it's huge. It's not. It's very small. You can see one side of the house from the – and the other side of the house, if you sit in the middle of the living room, it's tiny. But it's not beige. It's not white. Mm. It's not boring. Um, it's very thoughtful. And I think – if anyone who's building a home, which I now know is the most important thing you could ever do with your energy is having a home you mm. love. Um, That's so I, true. I edited it really well. Mm. Nothing will ever come in that door that I don't love. Yeah. And, and no people will come in that door yeah. that I don't love. And the music. Got to keep that energy. And the food. Good and energy the flowing. Not a single teaspoon I haven't yeah. thought about carefully. Mm. There's no junk in that house. I love I that. I remember watching that video about your house mm-hmm. and the state on Vogue Living. Yeah, yeah. It came out. I remember it was like the depths of COVID. Yeah. Everyone was at home. Yeah. And you watched. I put <laughs> it on YouTube. Like you got it on YouTube. I like Chromecast it to my TV. And it was this sort of this like fantasy, magical, that, mystical, yeah, like I love fantasy. It. And people, you can see why it captured people's imagination in their homes and their gardens. And you're like, well, I'm stuck at home, and this is what exists outside. Yeah, but don't get distracted <laughs> with the fanciness of it all. Like I, that's why I keep saying it's not a big house. It's one and a half bedrooms. It's not. I don't. You know, we, especially in America, we like to conjoin this idea of wealth and living well. And I mm. think if we've done, if I've tried to do anything with this new chapter, it's actually sort of break that down a little bit. You know, yes, I'm very grateful to have a, a, a very beautiful home and a big garden. It's very modest, mm-hmm. but I've really, really pleased it. And You've I, put your heart and soul into it. I have. I what have. I keep thinking is you're now in Hollywood and uh-huh. this is a Hollywood film all over. Like, Maybe. isn't, do you not, I think, wouldn't that be the best <laughs> right. film? It would be, I mean... As a creative person, you could you could write the film. You I could get all your film. friends to help produce it. We're working on a TV show right now. Actually, there you go. Which is fun. I, <laughs> um, well, after I went, I, you know, I went on the Ellen show, um, and the reaction to that was, I mean, just I can't even tell you how crazy the reaction was from just web traffic. Just it's funny. Network TV in America, everyone thinks it's dead. It's not. It just was exploded. Yeah. And, and after Oprah, we had Oprah at Christmas, and I think. Um, I think I've said this before that Oprah, so apparently how it goes, Oprah went to her next door neighbor's house who had our candle and from this, this amazing tomato oil that we make in the tomato Which we candle. were talking about oh, yes, just before you got here. It's the best candle. And my favorite candle and one of the first, the first candle I think we made and uh, she smelt it and then, and as rumor has it, then she took a dream and said, I want this to be my favorite thing for my favorite things list. The favorite thing of the favorite <laughs> things. And um, that list, you know, we didn't know what would really happen. We got a heads up that um, this that Oprah got the candle. We were like, oh, my God. And uh, anyway, we went from selling a handful of those a day to selling two and a half thousand an hour. An hour. An hour. And two and a half thousand an hour. Um, Did you even have that much stock? We went through the whole year's supply over Christmas. Everything for this current wow. year, we sold out everything. And so... Um, We're lucky to get it at Mecca. <laughs> you are lucky to get it at Mecca, actually, yeah. Um, no, but... it. That's what I said at the beginning, this improbable story. Yes, that's why it's such a good movie. Improbable, (laughs) impossible story that also was sort of grounded in a lot of um, 
pushing against mm. a lot of just like actually basic human yeah. um, kind of like sadness in a way as well. Yeah. You know, my business and crumbled. And necessity as well. Yeah. Like what can we do to, to all of us to survive and thrive? Yeah. And I'd come out like the, the work, maybe I, not to, I, um, I guess I am going to overshare. The, um, as I said, when my business crumbled, I was devastated. Like my whole, and I hope maybe some listeners can maybe relate to this. My whole identity and mm. self-worth and self-esteem was tied to work. Yeah, of course. To that work. Mm. I spent more time in that office, in the four walls of that office than anywhere on the planet. Yeah. Anywhere. Every weekend, every night till 11 o'clock. Like I worked, I worked, and yeah. I worked, and I worked, and I worked. And so there was that. I think just a little bit before COVID, um, I also had a really, really difficult breakup. And I had come out of a relationship that was, um, that just like really broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, we hadn't had a very physical relationship. And I, so I came out of that to be super transparent, like just feeling like ugly. I just sort of felt like, oh, I'm not cute. I am mm-hmm. not having sex. I am just completely lost. And so one of the things that I did was um, I had gone to see a therapist. We're really going there now. I'd gone to see a therapist mm-hmm. and she said, take an antidepressant. And I said, mm-hmm. I don't want to take an antidepressant. And I got home and Jeff, who's was the, who's the gardener, um, still works with us in a bigger capacity, but at the time was t- managing the garden. He said, um, oh, Richard, you don't need an antidepressant. You just need to listen to the garden. And you need to... He gave me a pair of secateurs and he said, when the roses, after the roses bloom, we cut the flowers back. Mm. You need to learn how to cut back the stuff in your life that's not working. And go downstairs and look at the plums and the peaches. They drop their leaves mm-hmm. and when it gets cold because they that. need to rest. You need to learn how to rest. You need to come back stronger in spring. And, and so I kind of did. We, I, I spent more Who time. Who needs a therapist when you have Richard? No, no, no. no. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff was Jeff. great. He's great. And, you know, such as, listen to the God. We can, mother, and I, this is now on all of our boxes. Mother Nature is mm. our doctor, yeah. therapist, and friend. And I believe that with my full heart. So, you know, I, and so at that time, um, got back into the garden. And, and, and a couple of things also happened that were really important in this sort of Genesis story. Um, I have a bathhouse in the orchard. Um, the the water from the bathhouse runs to the directly into the garden. I was using a very fancy um, brand of bath wash and shampoo, which we all know, and my roses were dying. Mm. And so I looked at the back of the label. I'm not fussy. I'm not a granola person. I never looked at the back of a label. And I was like, why would I put this on my skin if I can't put it on my plants? Mm-hmm. And so, but long time before we thought about mm-hmm. sell- selling stuff, we went, I went to the laundry with my friend. We made um, body wash and, and shampoo and, and started using it from sage and from eucalyptus and from um, rosemary and stuff that was growing. And, um, and that sort of was the start of making stuff that, accid- again, accidentally just thought, oh, we can, why don't, we can do a better version of this. And so, and then, and also started eating better, started yeah. taking care of my body. And I thought to myself, sorry to, to, to circle around to why I mentioned the thing about the breakup and all that stuff was, um, I thought if I can just feel alive again, yeah. if I can just have five minutes in the shower and feel 
fucking amazing when I get out. Just yeah. like selfish, hot shower, the most amazing, like really strong essential oils and just feel alive. If I can wake myself up. No, it's not even about feeling sexy. It's just about feeling awake. alive, it's awake. Fitting. I was sleepwalking for 20 years. Yeah. I was dead on the inside. It's like so, so interesting. I just want, and so none of that was for anyone but me. I just yeah. wanted yeah. to wake up and feel alive again. Yeah. And I, so, and, and that, that, it's such a personal story about why we started making stuff. And then, of course, sort of the universe delivered this untapped supply chain of 110 farms mm-hmm. who had the stuff we needed to make the stuff we wanted. Mm. But um, Look at the stars aligned. Right? Yeah. And it, it was just the most unlikely combination of mm. like real personal sadness and then a little bit of like, yeah. okay, I got to pull myself together and get this shit mm. done. And then, and then my business crumbled and then COVID hit. And so by the time COVID hit actually, and, e- and everyone else was in total free fall, I kind of already got through the free fall because yeah. I'd. Oh, that, this all happened right before. Right before I was like, okay, I, I know, oh, I got this. Yeah. I know how to do this. I know what trauma looks like. I know what, I know what sort of pulling yourself up looks like. And, mm-hmm. um, and I spent a lot of time, you know, just before COVID at home trying to just like, pull myself together mm-hmm. and so um so it just was like this wild coincidence of things happening at yeah. the same time that like so was it um super healing for you then would you say this whole experience you obviously went through moving you know your your business your relationship all of these super traumatic moments and then you started this new journey with yeah. all these incredible people yeah. who thought differently. They weren't in fashion. No. They were thinking about, to your point, like the earth and growing and, you know, that idea of Mother Nature. Yeah. When did you realize that it was actually having a huge impact on your mental health? Um, not not till we were uh, quite a way through it. Remember, COVID was so confusing for all of us. And I didn't know whether my business would wake back up again. And I, so we were just one foot in front of another. What I did know and what I do know for sure is in my old job and also leaving Australia as a 17-year-old, running to work with my creative heroes, with Peter Lindbergh and Mario Testino and, you know, to meet all, to meet Richard Branson, to meet, like, to work with Kylie, to work with President Obama. Like, we got to work with these people who were heroes, my heroes, you know. And I thought those people were the most creative people in the world. And I was wrong. The most creative people in the world are the people who are growing mushrooms for anxiety and raspberries for sperm health and mugwort for dreaming. And, and, and in a world where Instagram has taught us that we all know everything about everything at a superficial level, to meet someone who knows everything about only one thing mm. is a joy. You know, it's a joy. Yeah. And so at some point I started to meet these people who I thought, oh, you are, you are of solid character and mm-hmm. interest and curious about things. And I found that so healing. Uh, I had, I was so fatigued from fickle fashion people mm-hmm. and small talk and parties and meeting people. I, all I wanted to do was stay at home and talk to someone about how to grow olives. <laughs> and so it was amazing. And, uh, and that, at some point, maybe like maybe change creeps up on you, and you don't. There's not always like a sharp turn or, yeah. or a, like a tick the box. It's done. Like it's still, I'm still figuring my own shit out. But um, the the definitely it's definitely a, the fabric of my day, my day to day existence is radically different mm. now. I love 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 my day now. Yeah. I love it, and I guard that. And I hope now COVID has finished. I hope we don't remember 
how important yeah. it is. You slip back into bad habits. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, I, I used to be the number one frequent flyer of an airline in America. Wow. The number one flyer. I thought they were going to name a plane after me. Yeah, I was, and I was so proud of it. And now I'm yeah. so ashamed of it. I'm so ashamed of it. And I didn't get on a plane for 18 months. And then when I got on a plane for the first time, I had such anxiety. I got up at 5 a.m. I left my dogs, who I love, sleeping in bed. I got to the airport. I got through check-in. I, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, how the hell did I do this for 20 years? Yeah. And now it it's takes like a very, mode. very, very special person to get me on a plane. I will. <laughs> We're lucky to have you here. I can't for you guys. I'm happy to get on a plane for a Mecca any day of the week. Yeah, you've had like a real like phoenix from the ashes moment. A little bit. A little bit maybe. But, I'm very grateful. Um, but I don't take that lightly. I'm yeah. so grateful for it. I, COVID was the best thing that ever happened yeah. to me. But Isn't that, yeah. Do you know what? I think that's a, that's a common theme with yeah. lots of kind mm. of reinvention and the opportunities for people uh, sort of presented themselves in different ways and you know maybe it was just the right time to do something different and you talk about this you know your your sort of day-to-day what is your day like these days is it that you wake up before dawn is it that you're out in the garden is it or are you still sleeping in and no 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 <laughs> I never movies? <laughs> I've never been a sleeper in person um it's very regimented and it's not very exciting I get up normally down around daybreak um I don't have a car. I have a bicycle. I ride my bike for about an hour, go to the gym. I ride my bike for another hour to the office, and then, which is just near the house. And uh, the team, I love the team so much. The other thing I've been doing is just like I really want to only be around people who I really love. Yeah. And so the team, I'm very, I have a small team, but I love them. And um, we have a fun office. And, you know, we've all got our dogs and we've all got our stuff, and it's fun mm-hmm. and um, you know, so building weekends. that good culture as well, which is so important. Yeah, because I did it the wrong way before. You know, I, I was on the runaway train of building a business mm. the way I thought it needed to be built, and it wasn't fun. And so, um, and so now it's different. It's very pers- It's very very personal, and uh, and I've really enjoyed it. And I brought people in who know more about this stuff than I do. You know, I didn't know how to make body lotion, and I knew I wanted to feel good. And I knew I needed to like treat myself well again. Um, and so sort of, I guess in some way I've sort of been the, you know, the Walt Disney of this thing, but, um, there's people (laughs) underneath me who are just like, I can't even express how remarkably talented they're, who've spent their whole lives working on sourcing, particularly sourcing or formulations or environmental impact, which is also sort of accidentally something we stumbled into, Mm -hmm. which is the other thing I'm very proud of is that because we, we met these people who happen to be growing you know, small farms like my parents' farm, like small 10-acre farms growing avocado oil or something. Um, No one had ever looked at them from a business point of view and said, I'm going to wrap my arms around all of you and scale your business, and I'm going to pay you more than you'd get paid doing it somewhere else. So a good example of that is um, this in principle is there's a farm in Ohio we pull citrus from for us, our hand soap and and marmalade and stuff like that. And um, we pay them, um, I mean, Let's not fact check this. I don't know whether this is the exact number, but let's say we pay them like four eighty a pound, mm-hmm. and the farm next door um, is on contract with Sunkist. They are an industrial farm program. Um, it's reliable income, but they're paid like let's say eighty eighty cents a pound. So um, they have to use chemicals. They have to use glyphosate. You have to they have that to, down. You've got you've got to cut yeah. corners if you're getting that yeah. stuff. So you know. But so my dream. And then obviously, then they pay their workers poorly, and, mm. and onward and onward and onward. And so, my dream is that we take that farm next door and we fold it into our system, and the one next to that, and the one mm-hmm. next to that, and the one next to that. And success for me is in ten years we have five thousand farms, wow. and 
they're all treating their soil well. They're all getting rid of chemicals. They're all getting rid of pesticides. And that would be wild. That would be incredible. Yeah. And, and, you know, food tastes better if it's grown in great soil. Yeah. Cosmetics, bath stuff, soap, it all smells better if it's grown in great soil. Like this is a real thing. It's not um, – you know, I've learned that. And now, uh, the other thing I've learned, which I kind of feels like wild to me that we don't talk about – is that if you have a product in your house that smells of something, no matter what brand it is, most of those brands can't tell you where that comes from because yeah. most brands yeah. buy fragrances from large industrial fragrance um, mm-hmm. suppliers. There's no sourcing acumen there. We don't know how they treat their stuff. We don't know how they treat their soil. I can tell you the corner of the farm that that tree came from. I know the name of the farmer. I know the name of their kids, Mm. probably know their favorite songs. (laughs) And as we get bigger and bigger, that's something we all still care about very much, that we know exactly where it comes from. I love it. That end descent and sourcing story, like every single bottle, I know exactly what's in it. I know what farm it came from. I know what tree it came from. And, And not just me, the whole team, which is weirdly a radical thing in this industry. A radical thing. No one really does that mm. to that degree, which to me was so surprising. Mm-hmm. And almost like I said to the team yesterday, like, don't come and work here if you're looking for innovation. We're not doing anything innovative. We're just doing the old thing again that we all forgot to do. But that is innovative. Yeah. You know? It's why it's yeah. incredible. It is. You, and that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Kind of, do you have you read Michael Pollan's stuff? So not only have I read Michael, so here's a story for you. I want I want Flamingo to be a publisher. And so oh, wow. I um so I said last year, um I went to see some publisher houses publishing houses and I said I want to do a series of books about the green world. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about the green world my pitch was sort of, and my my favorite expression is Mother Nature is the last great luxury house, and mm-hmm. we need to treat her mm-hmm. that way. And so, I walked into Rizzoli and I said, you know, I'm gonna, I want to do a, I want to do a collection of books, the essential books for anyone with green thumbs and middle fingers. And they kind of looked at me like I had six heads. And <laughs> you know, and then publishing world, and think about it at the bookstore. If you go to the bookstore, in, you know, this weekend, old lady gardening books over here, mm-hmm. and like. The world is falling apart and the polar bears are dying, David mm. Attenborough stuff over here. In the middle, however, there's amazing stories like Michael Pollan's book of co-creation, of mm-hmm. people growing, harvesting, researching, thinking about the way mushrooms in Michael's situation yep. is incredible for anxiety. And so anyway, they were like, oh, you know, this will never sell. You're crazy. And I was like, all right, well, you know, F you, I'll just do it myself. So we... <laughs> So I contacted Michael and Jane Goodall, the environmentalist. Yes, I and, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, Terry Tempest-Williams, who wrote this amazing book called Erosion, which everyone should read, which is sort of about the erosion of um, land, but also the erosion of morals under Donald Trump and the erosion of her, her, her family, stuff like that. It's very interesting. And um, braiding sweetgrass and a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, so I, we packaged them together and we, we sold them. We sold all those books. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've done really, really well. And... Um, yeah, so, you know, I didn't need the publisher after all. I didn't need a bunch of, like, old white men taking 50% of my like, income to yeah. tell you what not to do. I just <laughs> yeah. did it myself. But it's interesting. You've been doing stuff not because you want to sell it or make lots of money, but you're doing stuff because you needed the right bath 
products for your bath. You yeah. started doing the farms because they came to you yeah. and you could sell them. So it all has happened quite naturally. It has a quite literally naturally. And it's your purpose that you're putting into it and the reason why that is how your whole brand is evolving, right? And if you were to tell our listeners today, actually all of the fundamental brands within Flamingo Estate, yeah. could you tell us a little bit about that? About the products? So you've got your products, mm. exactly. You want to hear all about the products, but mm. also about Flamingo Estate as a whole in terms of how you're bring, really bringing that to life as a lifestyle brand. And then how actually you've used all of your amazing experience within the creative world of brand storytelling to tell Flamingo Estate story. You know, I think, I mean, again, it wasn't strategic and it still isn't very strategic, which might be why it's working. You know, I write the Instagram captions in the shower. I dictate them to myself in the morning. It's not, there's no like media plan. Um <laughs> <laughs> but I do know how to do that. I've done that my whole life, you know. Yeah. So yeah, storytelling a little bit, and so um, and I think back to COVID. You know, I had a core group of people I loved who were creative, who had spent their lives working in luxury goods, and so why don't we put that lens on the garden, the world's last great luxury house? Let's. Yeah celebrate mother nature the way it deserves we don't look etsy we don't look very granola we're not farmer Mm. joe we want this to feel premium and so and beautiful and it deserves that and like there's a farmer and i'll just give you a couple of examples there's a island off the coast of japan called yakushima island it's a unesco world heritage site they have trees there that are 500 years old the oldest one is 7,000 years old, I think, uh, cypress trees. Wow. Uh, it's a, the, one of the most beautiful places in the world. They make yakasugi oil mm-hmm. there. Um, they don't allow you to cut down any trees, obviously. They make the oil from fallen branches or from previously cut down, um, or previously fallen trees. Um, this oil is like, it's like liquid gold. It's the most expensive oil yeah. you can possibly think, but it's it smell. You, you open the jar. If I opened the bottle here on the table, you would smell it in the whole building. It's incredible. Um, we're making soap from that. We're making oh, it with wow. indigo, which comes from um, another part of Japan where there mm. used to once be 1,800 indigo farms. Now there's five. And so this idea of these, these treasures that are being buried, that are slowly phasing out. Japan's interesting for me because the farming community in Japan is – is decreasing because as the population gets older, young people don't want to work in farms, So, which is happening in many countries. But So we're trying to support farms who are multi-generational. There's a tea farm in Japan that um, is a 10th generation tea farmer. We're pulling tea from them. He noticed the effects of chemicals um, on the fishing villages downstream, down the bottom of the mountain, and said, I'm never going to use chemicals. And so he stopped, and, and his children now are helping him. And so we're we're pulling the most incredible tea from from him with mm-hmm. bergamot oil from mm-hmm. Italy who mix it together and make Earl Grey tea. And so th- there's just like three of many. Ex- we, I have a hundred other farms like that that I could talk about, but three examples of these like incredible precious gifts and they deserve to be treated beautifully. And mm-hmm. so for me, that's sort of my role. Like how do we take that and honor that? And, and also like to be a little bit more fickle, um, I realized early in, the people were Instagramming everything on a Friday when they got their vegetables before we even started making soaps and, and body soap. My job, <laughs> so true. My job. Suddenly everyone was posting pictures of food, weren't food. they? It was like, yeah, yeah. oh my God, I've got a And so my job was to make that the most beautiful yeah. food photo yeah. ever. So mm. the boxes start, our, our delivery boxes are beautiful and there's an artist that does the exterior and there's beautiful letters and there's beautiful inserts and the vegetables are impeccably wrapped and like any opportunity we can for someone to take a photo, um, which... 
you know, Instagram, we, every Friday, this enormous bump in traffic because everyone takes a photo of their box yeah. with hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of reposts of these boxes every Friday, delivery day in Los Angeles. We're very lucky that we're in Hollywood be, or Hollywood adjacent because yeah. we accidentally cracked into a community of people who do have <laughs> serious followings. You know, yeah. we acci- yeah. accidentally Perfect. sending Ellen DeGeneres raspberries and, and she's and Oprah, got 107 million followers or something. Yeah. So it, um, and again, it was almost, I say this all the time, accidental, yeah, serendipitous, completely unintentional yeah. that we were like, what do we do with all this produce? Why don't we do it? Why don't we treat it like we used to treat Hermes when we had the account? Yeah. And so Amazing. that's sort of how it started. And I just learned, we all kind of built the plane as it was flying. And I have learned so much about those farmers and about yeah, sourcing, about environmental impact, about the, mm. the simple choices we all make that have really deep environmental um, consequences. And uh, to be able to maybe do that at scales, to me now, really exciting. So exciting. Now, Richard, you're talking um, about how you had this incredible pr- like prior career mm. and you did all this amazing stuff and you were burnt out and it was 20 ha- years mm-hmm. of hardcore, sort of all hours every hour. Yeah. How do you make sure that when you're building your new sort yeah. of entrepreneurial yeah, empire, yeah, yeah. you don't slip into that? Because it could, right? Because it know. can take off in multiple directions and you can really, this could become the greatest lifestyle brand. <laughs> and yeah. I imagine there's some ambition in there to make it that. And how do you make sure that you do that in a way which still treats you well, yeah. treats the your com- company culture well, and that you can scale it at a, at a pace that you actually feels good um it's such a good question also i'm a leo so i am not interested in doing something small um so um you have courage i'm not interested in um this is not my hobby and so i'm not afraid of hard work i'm very happy to stay up until 11 o'clock right now and work if i have to it's a different intention though you know previously i was racing after other building other people's dreams yes you know i was building brands for other people i built so many brands for other people and it's got nothing to do with money i just was i was sort of the air traffic controller of other people's wishes Mm. and so now i love what i do yeah i love cooking and i love and also that let's talk about that part i was so obsessed with not getting fat because I worked in fashion. Yeah. I forgot how food tasted. Yeah, yeah. I just forgot to eat well. And you were saying you got chefs to help to show you how to cook. So oh do, you God, know, was, do you know how to cook beforehand? I, I knew, yeah, I knew how to cook, but I wasn't a great chef. But I also never allowed myself to indulge in food. Mm-hmm. Never. Oh, my God, never. And so to to have, to now walk into the kitchen and be like, what? Let's just like, let's be a bit gluttonous. Let's. Yeah. Taste let's enjoy food. it. Let's enjoy yeah, it again. Good for you. And you the know, same, the same thing about having a bath or having yeah. a shower. Like, let's enjoy it. And so, that's. I mean, the intention's very different yeah. now. I really enjoy what I do. Yeah. And I love it. And I'm learning a lot. And the only thing I said this to my friends a lot, from my kids, for your kids, for anyone that, um, or any one of us, all I could wish for you is that you have a life with chapters that yeah. have beginnings and endings. And you get to do new things. Some people never get to try another job, you know. And, you know, my mom, God, my mom, who, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She's worried, always so worried. She's always worried. She's always worried about something. And I said, you know, mom, I'm just, um, she said, why don't you sell the agency? And I said, my agency's still running. Yeah. Uh, I'm not involved. I'm not involved anymore. I gave the agency mm-hmm. to my old colleagues. 
She's like, oh my God, that's crazy. Why don't you sell it? Sell it and you make so much money. Sell it. And I was like, I'm not interested in doing that. Like, what, what is this idea of attachment that we all have of hanging onto things that don't work? I love the idea of an Irish wake. I love the mm-hmm. idea of getting drunk, yeah. celebrating the death <laughs> of something and getting the f*** out and yeah. just being like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. On. I'm f***ing <laughs> done. Yeah. And I'm going to do something new and I'm going to learn something new now and I'm going to flex a different muscle and, and I'll so do this again. Freeing, like, for me, this is not going to be my last thing. I'm sure I'm going to do something after this. Another chapter. I hope so. Uh, why not? You know, I want to have a life with chapters. Yeah, it's all I, I could know wish. What? I, I love that idea of having life with chapters. And I think you can get so sucked into just doing the same thing mm. all the time and just keep on churning. Plodding along. Plodding it's along also, I mean, it's actually... also the effect of Instagram. It's also the effect of ego. You know, we're yeah. so afraid of letting go in case yeah. we don't, in case we fail. Yeah. In case it looks bad. In case we fall on our ass. Um, I'm all for falling on my ass now. Please fall on your ass. <laughs> yes. you know? I think it's interesting that you said too that, that <laughs> your old world was what connected you like self-value and identity. It was. And now what is this new identity? Like do you, is it part of, is it its own thing? Is it Flamingo Estate? Or how do you? <laughs> kind of. I catch myself a lot. It's such a good question. I deleted my personal Instagram this year. I don't have one. Um, I have tried uh, I, obviously, I'm here in a podcast. So it's sort of become a bit, you know, a de- a, <laughs> another it's, thing. It's been analogous to my own personal ego. I got that, and I need to. This is my job. I need to like talk about the thing I built and that I love. Um, but I'm trying to be really thoughtful about the way I just like, conduct myself day to day. I'm not yeah. gloating. I'm very, very private about my private life. I. I'm trying really hard not to actually just like not even go out very much. I love having people at home across the table from me. I love cooking a meal for them. I'm trying to just get back to some of those basic habits. I take a hot bath every day. I don't have a television. Um, I, you know, I'm trying just to sort of police some of those basic things where I know, I know there'll be a trigger if I, like I know if I get a big TV with Netflix on it, I'm going to start sitting and watching it for hours. It's a every temptation. Day. Well, you might yeah, have yeah. to yeah. when you put your TV series. No, on this, your is new movie. this is true. This is true. This is true. The show's going to be really. If it if it if it works, it's going to be really funny. But um, <laughs> anyway, the um, but we'll see. I just uh, I think that that's the that's the heart and soul of it. It's like all of us policing our personal day to day. You know, in that sense. I also was. My dad's quite sick right now, and I was, I'm here for that, um, in Australia for that recently. And it's funny to watch your parents get old and get sick. And um, just, I was looking at him the other day thinking, F- like, we really don't have that much time. Yeah. And we don't have time to sit and wallow around and waste our time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, I kind of look at my dad now, and I think, like, he's towards the end of, he's at the end of his life. You know, he's not got... He can wish for all the things he wants. He's run out of runway. And so I don't want to be in that situation where I haven't sort of chased all my dreams a little bit. And for all of us, I think, you know, like it's so easy to just get distracted on Mm. and sit and Mm. be patient. The thing is, you didn't even know that you needed other dreams. I think that's what's so interesting is that you would have just kept on just plowing on with what you were doing before and actually something intervened and actually showed you there was a new way of doing things, which I think is when you take a step back from it, that's quite a mind blowing moment. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I catch myself and think, Oh my God, I'm so lucky that, mm-hmm. you know, there's that expression jump and a net will appear. And I never mm-hmm. really, I never really kind of sort of believed it, but I, it happened, yeah. you know? And then I, there's a book when we left our office in New York, it was like the saddest day we had. Cause the, the, the office in New York was, 
you know, that, that's the space I'd spent 20 years in. Um, it was sort of so attached to my identity. I was so sad to leave it. I was driven by the idea of not going like, oh my God, I can never not, I can never go broke. I can never mm. not pay my rent. I've got to keep going. Oh my God, people are going to think I'm such a failure if I don't do this. So it just that like, kept me going that space. It just was the, all I was ever doing was trying to keep that space paid for. So the day we crumbled and we lost the space, I remember coming to New York and um, I used to have a huge collection of books. Um, we, a huge library. I used to, I'm still obsessed with books. And um, we couldn't afford a storage unit to put them all in. We also couldn't get a storage unit because, you know, no one wanted to be near anyone. It was the early days of COVID and, you know, no one, everyone was like wearing five masks and you couldn't get into like the storage place. So I was like, all right, just like tell everyone to come and take the books, just invite people in. So we had all mm -hmm. the books on the floor and uh, I'd, I picked up this one Japanese design book and the, on the cover, it, or sort of inside cover, it said uh, a quote, um, now the barn has burned down, I can see the moon. And I took that quote, I put it on my fridge. And I had, even though I couldn't quite see the moon, yeah. I think about that a lot. It's that a my barn burned message down. to you at that point. It was. It was the universe delivering something yeah. to me. It really was. There's no such thing as a coincidence. I've also learned that. Yeah. Your job is to keep your eyes open for them. Yeah, I've learned that yeah. with my full heart. My only job is to keep my eyes open. And so, and that's actually what sort of like when I, the distractions cleared, the busyness cleared, the schedules cleared, the flights cleared, the, the, everything fell apart. I was yeah. able to see those things. And it wasn't a coincidence that these people were walking up to my front gate and saying, oh. hey, I've got stuff I don't know how to sell. And it wasn't a coincidence I would meet someone who'd be like, "Fantastic! Yeah. can we and, make soap? And even not a coincidence that you are there at Flamingo Estate, you know, helping with the bees way before that was your mm. property. It was like something was guiding you in there yeah. and saying, this is going to be your future. And you didn't even realize it at that point. Yeah. Bees are so amazing. I've got bees as well. You do? You yeah. So yeah. You know, I've met so many people yeah. in Melbourne this week. Yeah, I've got bees. in Sydney. I've done a course on it. And Good you. Anyway, I'll, we'll talk about this later. But they're so meditative to watch yeah. as well. And they, the way they look at the sun to work in the direction they go to and every single harvest, the honey tastes different, yeah. even if it's the same Let's area. talk about that for a second. I never knew that. And I've known you for a long time, Zara. <laughs> These things I, I didn't know. I talk a lot about bees and honey. But you know, we a... talked about surprise a minute ago. The fact that the honey tastes different season to season mm. is an amazing thing. The fact that olive oil tastes different season to season and vegetables taste different. It's all the variables. And it is. And so not to, not to like make you question your own business, but we've gotten to a situation where you walk into any store like Mecca and you want radical consistency from your products. I know exactly what my bottle of whichever brand insert here is going to be like every time I get it. I'm more excited about radical, intentional inconsistency. Mm -hmm. It's going to be slightly different bottle to bottle, season yeah. to season, harvest to harvest, because we're making stuff from real farms. But you know it's going to be fucking great because we, we put our heart and soul into it. So it's not going to be consistent, but it's going to be radically surprising, mm -hmm. surprisingly inconsistent. I love leaning into that idea a bit. Yeah. A lot. Oh, it's so good. And and you were talking earlier about, you know, one of your favorite things to do is to cook food for your friends yeah. and to have them around the table. And presumably you're working with the products that, you know, yeah. you're, you're harvesting. Yeah. Um, but if you were to tell us, like, what would that dinner be? Who would be there? Oh. I hope Oprah would be there. <laughs> um, and what would you be cooking for Oprah? Tell us a little bit about that. And oh. you are sitting here with Zara, who is the ultimate foodie. <laughs> okay. And Kerry, we both love to cook. And um, 
I have a cup. Everyone needs a cup of like you know the the foolproof recipe in your mm-hmm. back pocket that you're always good. I do a good miso cod. Mm. Never oh, fails. Really delicious. easy. Why I can do it in ten minutes. Just wrap it up in brown yep. and parchment paper. Pop it in the oven. Mm-hmm. It's an easy crowd pleaser. I do love that one. Um, my grandma's lasagna. I do pretty good. It's still something. If it's I love winter, lasagna, I love a good lasagna. Lasagna is so time consuming. It is. Yeah, a, it's like a, it's a it's weekend, Saturday. It's, it's a, a Saturday project. dish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but no, good. miso cod is a good one. Um, and a salad, like it's if you come over, it's really not, it's it's really tasty, but it's not fancy. Mm. And also, I have that's a tiny what, kitchen, I have a tiny tiny kitchen with a tiny tiny table. So if someone comes to dinner, I'm cooking and talking while we're there. So yeah. we're we're sort of it's all it's all happening there. And so it's uh it's got to be something that's quick and easy. And uh, yeah, and I good drinks, that. obviously, yeah. good wine. That's good when good you put wine. something in an oven, then it's like set and forget, and you cook it, and you can talk, and then you take it out and serve it rather than messing with you know lots of different things. And well, it's I think so it's different like, to your old life in New York, presumably. Oh my god, my life in New York! I don't think there was a vegetable in my fridge for fifteen years. <laughs> I think it was just vodka, caviar, and um, champagne. No, not even. Um, no, no, it's very different now. And also, just like I was about to say, like the other thing is just like. Roasting fresh vegetables. We get mm. boxes of vegetables every week. And I forgot how good just a great, mm. you know, roasted vegetable is. You don't need anything except great olive oil and yeah. a vegetable. Some yeah. salt. So um, everyone gets a little, I don't know, no, maybe not everyone. It's easy to get intimidated by that idea of cooking. But you yeah. forget how easy it is to have a great meal if you just have great produce. Really good ingredients. And it's yeah. the it's, it's the connection, I think, which is so amazing. When you're cooking and you have friends there and you're sharing and you're giving it time. And, you know, when we work so hard and we're racing around, we're on planes every week and all of that, you don't have the time yeah. to enjoy yeah. those moments. Yeah. It's so simple, but it's so important. I find cooking so meditative. It is. Because you, it's like, so focus on it. You get an outcome, and it's like it's. And you can't sit in your emails. Yeah, you have to really focus. You have to do it. You know the Chrissy Teigen story. Can I tell you the funny story about Chrissy oh, yeah. Teigen? Um, so she sent a DM to the Instagram account and said, "Which you run? Which I run?" Um, <laughs> and she said, um, "Can I come? Can over? I come over? Do you know the story?" She said, "Can I come over with John and the kids for dinner?" <laughs> and I was like, "Uh-huh." And I remember John, one of my colleagues, was like. She's got 34 million followers, Richard. You better say yes. And so, um, and also John Legend. I mean, yeah, yeah, I hope he yeah, sang yeah, to yeah, you yeah, whilst yeah. you were cooking. Totally. And so, we, <laughs> yes. And so, we cleaned the house like without toothbrushes. It was so clean and so <laughs> clean. And in walks Chrissy, who I'd never met, you know, and John and her mom and kids. And they all walk in and they sit. I have a sofa and two chairs in my living room. They sit on the sofa. They're kind of looking around left to right. And Chrissy says, it's a little awkward because, like, we'd never met, right? And Chrissy's like, where are the tables? And I said, what tables? And she's like, isn't this a restaurant? Oh. And I was like, and she's like, on Instagram, it looks like a restaurant. And I was like, no, this is my home. That's my bed. Oh. And there's my kitchen table. You can see both of them from the sofa. And I was like, but I cooked you dinner. And so. Oh, my like God, that's adorable. Yeah. And so was she, she was embarrassed? so embarrassed. Oh, and, no. And, and then. Um, so we had dinner. We had such a fun time, actually. Yeah. And. Um, Friends for life. A little bit, kind of. It was weird. It was in middle of deep COVID. I think she was so happy to, like, go somewhere new, even though it wasn't a restaurant. <laughs> it was your house. And. Um, then came back the next Friday and a few more Fridays and a yeah. few more Fridays. And um, and isn't that just crazy? I Again, improbable, yeah. impossible, I right? Improbable. The fact that you said, didn't say, 
you're more than welcome to come, but it's not a restaurant. And you no, were like, I no, just, no, no, my home is sh- open to you. I, mean, come. I, I know what you're showing because when you, when at first I saw, started seeing all the imagery and all that, I did wonder, I was like, it, could you, like, do people visit? Is it like, Oh my God, let me tell you. So, like, so it, um, the door, I wish, I'm trying to scrub the address off Google. The <laughs> doorbell rings. All the time. Six times a day. And um, <laughs> we, we're getting much better at it now. But the, um, in the early days, in the early days, last year, um, I remember one Saturday, my friends were coming over. We always do a Sunday lunch. I'm, one of the things I've been trying to do very hard mm. is ha- do a weekend meal for my friends. It's like the, the one thing I'm trying to like, just get good at. And so anyway, we had a Sunday lunch. I left the gate open. And did, we have a big, big gate that goes into the street, into the property. I left the gate open so they could come in. And um, anyway, so I'm in the kitchen cooking and... I hear the toilet flush. There's a guest bathroom like next to the kitchen. I hear the toilet flush. And I stick my head around the corner and this huge, and it's like a little airplane bathroom. It's Mm -hmm. just a toilet, you know? And the, this huge man comes out the bathroom and huge, he squeezes through the door and says, um, oh, could you get me a beer? (laughs) And I said, I, uh, I, because for a minute, I was like, are, like you, are you like a friend of one of my friends? Like, I, I was so trying to place it. And then I heard my other toilet flush of it in my bedroom. And this girl comes, this woman comes out, and they're clearly, they're obviously a couple I quickly work out. And she's like, yeah, I'll have a beer as well. And I said, I'm sorry, like, this is my home. Are yeah, you, what are you who, doing what here? What are you doing here? And they're like, oh, we just, the gate was open. This is, this is open, right? We can order food here. And I was like, no, 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 this is not open. You can't order food here. You need to leave. And um, I was very polite, but I did have to get yeah, kick them out. Bit, and, um, you'd be a bit shaken. So but like, awkward. So we're, we're trying hard now to... We're <laughs> really trying hard to... We're, Do you have <laughs> to put a little sign on your gate saying, this is not a restaurant? Private residence. No, Private we, we residence. Take, it's very... Now we, it's, it's very discreet. Now almost like... It's kind of... The property's quite hidden, so now we, we've taken all the signage down. So if you get there, you're like, oh, and this can't possibly be it. But still no, people okay. knock on the door. So just before oh. I got on the plane, someone knocked on the door and said, oh, can we buy some hand wash? <laughs> and I was like, no, this is also not a store, but you can get I mean, it on our website. Would you have it as a little store? In Never. a way, it's nice because no, no. it's like it seems so local and so like, yeah, just pop down and buy some hand wash. And that's sort of the whole, you know, message Mm-mm. or vibe. Uh-uh. <laughs> Got to keep it safe. Not anymore. No, like, you don't have to keep your home sacred. That's yeah. the one thing I've learned. You have to keep your home sacred. Yeah. And so we place it really well. Um, I just had a. Uh, I'm sure your 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 listeners are a bit witchy. We just had a. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this energy witchy. healer come from. He lives in Switzerland, and he came. Someone very famous sent him to Los Angeles to clear the energy out of their house, oh. and that person got COVID. And I knew of him, <laughs> and he knew of me, and so he called and said, "Oh, I'm here. I happen to be here." You know, I can clear. Do you want me to clear your house? And yeah, I was like, might yeah. as well. <laughs> so he came in, and he was. He, there was a lot of interesting spirits that oh, had come through I'm sure from some, all the people that have come in and all that. So yeah. quite yeah. interesting characters energy. over the Lots years. Lots of interesting characters. So we've, we've had a good <laughs> cleanse now. Feel, a good, feel, ho- a spiritual hot wash. Does it feel better? Does it feel different? It does. Actually, it feels lighter. I actually do. I, I'm a big Waited, believer yeah. in some of that witchy yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I love it. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. And I think it sort of, you know, reminds you that we're just, we're not just here living on the surface, right? Yeah. There's all sorts of things going on. In Cantonese, there's a word for when something has a lot of spirits in it, and it literally translates like weighty. Mm. It's like heavy. It's that's heaviness in it. So that's interesting. You said it feels lighter. Interesting. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Mm. So what's so next fun. for the Flamingo Estate Empire? Um, more of what we're already doing. I think we figured out. There's a couple of things. I think we figured out what people love now, what we love. And so what this, do they love? Hold on, lo- hold on. Oh, you, what do you love? 
What do I like? I love the candle. Yeah. Candles are nice. Yeah. These guys them. were talking about the candle like and, dreamily. Yeah, oh, and, it's my favorite thing. And you know, I almost didn't. I almost didn't sell the tomato candle because I was like, oh, no one's going to bother have a tomato. I just candle. love how great it is. Yeah, it's great. I suppose my question about wh- where does the brand go yeah. or where do you want to take it to yeah. is actually you're, you have your home, but you have this amazing brand alongside it, and. There's so much opportunity there. And as a creative brand builder who's done this thousands and thousands yeah. of times for brands, you must there must be an itch to kind of really go for it. But also, how do you know when to keep it quite tight? Um, I think it just has to stay at eye level and arm's reach. Like yeah. it has to just be right. If we can't, if I can't do it myself, we can't, we shouldn't do it. Mm. You know, people are like, oh, we should do a hotel. No, it involves other people. Like I want to keep the group mm. talk, very small, very tight, very little family we've got and just keep doing what we're doing, but just keep getting better and better at it. And I think if we can just, so again, I don't know what it looks like, but I know how, it, I know what it feels like. Yeah. It's got to feel like it's, it's very feel. personal. I love so that I'm brands not, feel something. Totally. It's not, I don't, I don't really know what it looks like on paper, but I know how it feels. But it's a movement as well, Richard. I think that's the thing. It's like, you've got a lot of people talking about it. The, so- the sourcing it. thing is a, is a real thing. The thing that we've now got hundreds of you know, 110 farms, it's just growing and growing and growing. You know, think about all those people that work on those farms. Those farms are in India and in Japan and in America and Australia and in Mexico. We just, we harvest, oh, I have a story for you, um, if I may. I don't know how, we're over time, but the, when we were making bar soap, the soap we're selling at Mecca, I, Jeff, who's like, Jeff, who I mentioned, who told me to, to Gardener. Gardener, who's now running. He's, he's your therapist He's now. my therapist <laughs> and my very dear friend. And uh, this is all very much because of Jeff and his very strong moral compass. He, um, who's now in charge of farm field, field director is his title now. He's in charge of all these farms and all that sort of stuff. Um, he's an amazing human. He, um, he said, we've got to find an alternative to palm oil. Palm oil is in everything. Everything, everything, everything. Mm. And um, it's terrible for the environment. It's, you know, deforestation. It's in every soap. Animals. It's in every household cleaning product. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And so we were looking for an alternative. The problem with palm, however, is, as you know, it lathers really well. It keeps the soap hard. I also grew up on those, like, cheesy ads in Australia of, like, the woman in the tub, the yardly woman with this, the bubbles or whatever, you know. <laughs> so, like, we want a soap that's bubbly, that's lathery. So Jeff found um, a grower of... Oh, no, not a grower, a harvester of babasu oil, which comes from the Amazon, which mm-hmm. grows only in the this very thin sort of section on the edge of the, the rainforest. It is natively grown there. It's sort of an invisible fence, a barrier, if you will, right on the edge between where, like, the forest stops and starts. Mm-hmm. So if we can, if we can um, support the people who are using the babasu palm there by buying the oil from them, they won't knock those trees down. So if they don't knock those trees down, they're not going to spread into the, further into the rainforest. So um, almost what we're trying to do now with our soaps mm. is protect the Amazon by protecting this thin little fence all the way around it and buy as much babasu as we can. So there's no palm in our soap. It's all babasu. This is a good example of agroforestry mm-hmm. where we're not farming we're pulling from the forest and we're working with the forest we're not we're not doing commercial farming it's an uh, obviously an indigenous group of people who are harvesting it the money goes directly back to them i can talk for another hour today about farming in the farm sector in america is largely people like me white men 
but who own farms. 99% of farms are owned by white men. 99% of people that work on farms are black or brown in America. So there's this like financial inequity about the people who are working the farms and owning the farms. So we're trying to work with people who are directly sourcing or making. We're not working with a large farm that mm. pays their employees poorly. That's another good example of that in action. Mm. So you're really trying to make impact and change but in, in the areas that you can control. Yeah, but we can control. Like we can all control what bar of soap we use. Yeah, you know. And so those little those little choices we make. Yeah. I know I sound maybe I don't want to sound like a, uh, I'm lecturing everyone, but like those little choices we do make in the shower, mm-hmm. in the kitchen, at home are important. And so, but I like the idea of even if you don't give a shit about the environment, even if you don't care about sourcing, our products are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the the impact part is a nice gift with purchase, mm-hmm. um, but we've yeah. made them that they're gift they're with really, love. Really nice, like to call it, you know, and so. Um, yeah, so I'm proud of that stuff. I didn't answer your question about what's next. Um, Hollywood film. <laughs> starring starring yourself as yourself. I'm glad you're putting that into the... Oh, no, my God, no. I'm glad you're putting that out into the universe. Who would, who would you have to play you? I don't... I can't. I don't. Oh, go on. No, no, there no, must no. be someone no, up no, there. No, no, Chris no. Hemsworth no, with True Aussie. very, very generous of you, but I don't <laughs> think so. Um, and so ultimately, sort of, I see us, you know, standing for pleasure from the garden... Whether it's something, whether it's a capsule you take to, for anxiety or whether it's a great hot bath or whether it's a really good meal, you know, so I think that as again, I don't know what it looks like, but I know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, I'm just really happy working with you guys actually is like really kind of grown. We've kind of grown up very quickly. You know, we're getting rid of all the glass and most of the plastic. We're using aluminum bottles, which we're doing because we started working with you. Because um, they're much, 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 much more recyclable, much more environmentally friendly, and so, um, so, and then the formulations all became 100% biodegradable for Mecca. Although they were already almost there, but we really mm-hmm. did a step up, and so I think for us this feels like, um, you know, we sort of be, we. I don't know. The training wheels have just come off. Yes. We're really happy, like we get to do something, you know, here. In a big way, which is really exciting. We've got a lot of bottles that are on a, on a ship coming And I feel through. like you're bottling I mean, the feeling, which is what everybody's like hungry for. I think I may have said this a minute ago. We figured out what people like. Yeah. And, what, and, and now sort of, it's almost like maybe doing less, but doing it better. Mm. Really focusing really on it. You know, I'd love someone to run the Instagram, so I don't need to write the captions in the shower. So, you know. <sighs> but anyone, obviously it works. It, it's getting, sometimes, sometimes it works. Yeah. But apart from that, we're, we're doing good. Yeah. I think we could talk to you for hours and days, and weeks, and we're going to move into Flamingo Estate. Yeah, come on over. Yeah. <laughs> come and knock on the door. Zara and I are like, like, no, 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 it's a private residence. Super fans. <laughs> uh, what I was going to ask you is, what is your favorite Flamingo Estate product? Oh, it's um, it's the bar soaps. The bar soaps. They're so beautiful. The ones with the babasu and the the four. The set that you're selling is the original set. It's the four different garden soaps. Got red carrot in one and celery or parsley in another one they're beautiful soaps i am very lucky that i get to have a limitless supply of them so i <laughs> i know they're expensive but i to throw one in a hot bath i take a bath hot bath every day and a shower you throw, you throw it shower in, for your instagram and a hot bath, hot bath so you need a little I take soaps. a hot bath every evening and so to throw one in a hot bath mm. is it's a beautiful thing it's really it's such you an throw indulgence. the whole bath into the hot i bath. throw the whole thing in yeah, yeah. each bath uh, each so bath. Does it melt each time? Or do you uh, use it? I take a long bath. Practicalities here. It's yeah. No, you get. A, I get a couple of baths okay, out of each good. one. Yeah, truth be told. Um, but this, it's a beautiful product. It really is. It's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And I it's travel the, with them, yeah. and I love them. I love them very much. And the babasu then like melts into the bath. 
Yeah, yeah, the oil's really nice, but the fragrance in those soaps is really special. And the, it's just, you know, it's funny, we make those by hand. They're, they're not made in a factory. They're, they're mm. the only thing we currently still make on the property. And we make them down in the goat shed. The property mm-hmm. used to be a goat farm, so we call it the goat shed. And we, you know, it's just like these big trays and we pour, it's almost like making a cake. You know, we mix it all together in a blender, we pour it into a mold and we stick it in a thing and it dries <laughs> and then it comes out and we wrap it in paper. It's not very sophisticated, yeah. but there's something wonderful about how basic that process yeah. is the soap is not beautiful mm-hmm. it's got crooked edges it's not perfect it's not you can absolutely tell it wasn't made in a factory um, but there's something really nice about that you really sense the care that someone put into doing that you know which is i think something again we've kind of forgotten in our world that's so obsessed with you know consistency mm-hmm. inconsistency let's lean into that more mm-hmm. you know i love it yeah, I love it. It's a perfect way to end on. Thank you so much. Richard. My pleasure. Oh, Thank so you, Richard. Fun. That I'm was very excited fascinating and, and wonderful dinner. and thought-provoking. And I think we all need to stop and sometimes <laughs> have a moment to be flamingo-estated. Take a hot bath. Yeah. Take a hot bath. Yeah, awesome. Have a great day. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at MechaBeauty or join the conversation in our Mecha Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecha Talks. Thank you for joining us. And I'm on the roll.